0: And welcome to episode 18 of the Quiet Mark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, and Quiet Mark is the independent global certification program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation, which was established in 1959. Through scientific testing and assessment, Quiet Mark identifies the quietest products in multiple categories spanning many sectors including home appliances and technology, building sector materials, and commercial sector products. It's March 2021, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the phrase spring forward, fall back. It's a mnemonic relating to daylight saving time, indicating that the clocks have moved forward an hour in the spring and back an hour in the fall, or autumn, as we call it in the UK. And that time, of course, is where many of us say, hold on, is this when I get an hour's more or an hour's less sleep? Well, with it being spring, it's an hour's less sleep, but does it really matter? It's a Sunday and we can wake up whenever we like, can't we? Anyway, that neatly brings us onto the subject of this episode, sleep. On March the 23rd in the UK, it will have been a year since the first lockdowns began during the global COVID pandemic. Recent research by Stanford University in America showed that 42% of the American workforce were now working from home. And it's a similar figure in the UK. Those initials WFH have now become very familiar shorthand for work from home. But when are we HFW, home from work? It's all too easy working from home to roll out of bed or not even roll out of bed reach for the phone, reach for the laptop, and start working before we have even got out of our gym jams, not to mention our laptops and our phones being the last things we put down as we go to bed at night. For sure, the pandemic has disrupted our lives in many ways, and our sleep routines may certainly be one of the things to be most affected. Coinciding with the time when the clocks change, March is also the month that the National Sleep Foundation, NSF, also holds its Sleep Awareness Week. This annual event celebrates sleep health and encourages the public to prioritise sleep to improve overall health and well-being. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce our guest on this show, John Lopos, the Chief Executive Officer at the National Sleep Foundation. With nearly 30 years of diverse experience across multiple healthcare and non-profit organisations, John Lopos has long-standing ties with the sleep health community, including his relationship with NSF for the past 17 years. Most recently, he served for eight years as an NSF director, having been active on several task force and committees including development, public awareness, compensation and finance. He's also been part of the organization's advocacy on Capitol Hill for the past several years. The National Sleep Foundation, NSF, is dedicated to improving health and well-being through sleep education and advocacy. Founded in 1990... The NSF is committed to advancing excellence in sleep health theory, research and practice. Welcome to the show, John Lopos.
1: Simon, thanks. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to our conversation for your listeners. I should ask where here is for you. Uh, Yeah, I'm based here in the United States. I'm actually... uh, Working here from the home office, like many people working from their home office here uh, on the East Coast, actually uh, today New Jersey. And for a home
0: office, that's a bit of a professional microphone you've got there, John.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say that this is an office issue, but uh, <laughs> knowing that we were going to be recording this, I yeah, I had to I had to dip into the mic case and bring some things out. Are you a musician? Uh, on the side, you know, I'll stick with my day job, but but on the side, I, I do play some bass and and
0: sing a bit. Well, I'm a drummer, so we are a rhythm section. We're officially the podcast rhythm section. All right. Well, let's get straight into the podcast. It's good to know that I'm talking to a fellow musician here, but we are here to talk about the National Sleep Foundation as we approach yes. Sleep Awareness Week. More of that later. But first of all, I read a small amount there about the National Sleep Foundation, but tell us all about it, John, and how you came to be involved with the organization.
1: There's only one National Sleep Foundation.
0: Uh, we're a nonprofit
1: organization that's based in the US, but we, we do have global reach. We've been serving the public for over 30 years now with a mission of improving health and well being through sleep education and advocacy. Uh, we look to advance sleep health theory and research and ultimately practice with things that people can do every day to help get the sleep we all need.
0: Now, I've looked through your website and there's reams of helpful information on how to improve a night's sleep. But what sort of activities are typical of what the National Sleep Foundation does in order to bring that information to the public?
1: Well, I I try to describe what the National Sleep Foundation does. It's somewhat linear. It's not entirely linear, but on the front end, we're involved in bringing together science, doing some research, establishing guidelines, expertise. And then it's really our job through Awareness and education communications to translate that into something that the public can use to ultimately improve their, their sleep health, change behavior. So we provide a, a variety of educational tips and tools. The NSF.org is the website where different tools and tips and content is available for the public. And of course, we also available through different media channels and communications partners. So our focus is on getting the content into the hands of the public in an accessible way that can help them have a better night's sleep.
0: It's an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is sleep important well first sleep is a fundamental physiologic process
1: we need sleep to thrive our focus is on educating the public so everyone has an understanding of sleep and its role in performance optimizing our performance uh, our mental health different aspects of our physical health uh, and that all starts with science Uh, Our goal in the end is for people to respect their sleep and and work to address the environment around them, get into good habits and practices, uh, not hack their sleep, uh, not try to cut corners so that it is an important part of their overall lifestyle.
0: You mentioned routines there. It's been a year since the COVID-19 pandemic really hit the planet. We're a year into it in terms of a lifestyle adapting to that. There's a statistic that says that 40% of the US and UK labour force is now working from home. And with work from home comes a real break in those routines that you referenced there. I mean, I used to get up in the morning, do a commute to an office, come home, and there were all these elements to my day, whereas it's very easy for me now to go from my bed to my desk. Thankfully, I do go for a walk. I have a dog. I've got to get out there. But have you had any sort of observations that have taken place about how this break and this change in routine and this work from home lifestyle is affecting people's sleep?
1: Yeah, there's there's no question that this pandemic has dramatically disrupted our lives and, and in different ways um, and changed what have been our regular routines. And we'll rebound and recover and hopefully learn some new things. By the way, the, the jury's still out about exactly how the pandemic has impacted the public's sleep. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of different signals we've been seeing uh, that researchers and others have been seeing across regions and populations. So there will be a lot of data to be reviewed and analyzed as they relate to sleep during the pandemic. One of the things we've tried to emphasize for people during this time, and obviously the public health focus and the priority has been on wearing masks and social distancing, hand washing, and, and now for many vaccination, There are some fundamentals to healthy sleep, some recommendations we make that we think are evergreen. Uh, For example, uh, we still would encourage people during this time of disruption to have a relaxing bedtime routine. You know, everyone has a slightly different wind-down process, but, but that's an important part of preparing for sleep. So we're encouraging people to try to keep a consistent bedtime routine, which also would include trying to go to sleep and wake at the same time every day, uh, including weekends, regular exercise, not to overlook the importance of what we call a sleep-friendly environment in the home, in the bedroom, which would mean turning off electronic devices around an hour before you try to sleep, Uh, managing things like temperature and light and sound uh, that all contribute to what we call, again, a sleep-friendly environment, um, specifically, again, a sleep-friendly bedroom. Then there are the recommendations for how many hours of sleep people should be getting. We recommend between seven to nine hours of sleep each night for most adults. And on our website, vnsf.org, we not only have these tips, but we also have our recommendations for how much sleep people may need, uh, how many hours. Um, That's broken out by different age groups. So there are some things that despite this disruptive period, we've continue to encourage people to stick to as best as possible. Those are really evergreen recommendations. And we believe that when those contribute to improved sleep health, that improvement in sleep is going to show in their overall health, um, including immune function and immune response. And so it's important to keep that in focus as well. Quiet,
0: March is the month, of course, that sees your annual Sleep Awareness Week, which is, I believe, in its 23rd year. I'd love to know more about that event.
1: Yep, that's right, Simon. In 2021, it's 23 years that the National Sleep Foundation has been promoting Sleep Awareness Week. We do it every year. It's a time that we focus on re-energizing the public about their sleep health. And there are several different types of activities that we'll be featuring during the week this year, including releasing the results of our annual Sleep in America poll. We've been doing that for quite a while. It's one of our research products that helps share insights from the public about their sleep attitudes and behaviors. And this is a time for us to engage many different partners, public communications partners, industry partners, uh, to help us promote the message of sleep health. And it's triggered this year as it's been in many years with the change of the clocks. Uh, That's something that gets people thinking about their sleep. So we're excited to be rallying again and Celebrating Sleep Health and the upcoming Sleep Awareness Week. That's going to be March 14th to 20th. And people can look for more education, more communications, coming to them from a variety of channels uh, from the National Sleep Foundation.
0: And I believe part of Sleep Awareness Week, you do a Lifetime Achievement Award, don't you?
1: Yes, the the Lifetime Achievement Award is something the National Sleep Foundation has been uh, giving out for several years. It really honors some of the luminaries in the field. People who've helped establish the field of sleep and sleep health made massive contributions to the public awareness of sleep through either their research or teaching and education, clinical medicine, clinical practice. So we're pleased to be able to give that award again this year. We'll be making an announcement during Sleep Awareness Week, and it, it really is a tribute not only to the individual who receives it, but also to the field overall.
0: Who might a notable previous
1: recipient of that award be? Right. There, there are a number of amazing people who have received this award in the past. I'd maybe just focus on the first recipient, uh, Dr. William Dement, the late Bill Dement, someone we recently lost. He passed just last year. He, Bill was really one of the fathers of modern sleep medicine and, and advocacy. He was our first Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, and I think that set the tone for many of the other recipients to follow.
0: That sounds fantastic. It's interesting how it can take a brilliant individual to bring something that we all do to the focus of attention of the public at large. You know, at Quiet Mark, John Poppy, who's the CEO founder, her grandfather is a man called John Connell. And 60 years ago, John Connell founded the Noise Abatement Society. And he almost single handedly lobbied Parliament to recognise noise as a pollutant and again it's it's there we we all sleep every day we all hear noise every day but it sometimes takes individuals to recognize the health risks the benefits of quiet of noise of sleep or no sleep and really put them on the map and make sure that collectively we're recognizing their importance their significance and what they mean to the our health at large and so yeah it's a it's a fantastic sounding award and and worthy of people being recognized for, for sure.
1: I think, you know, the example you've given also, it, it speaks a lot to the importance of advocacy, you know, that we have in pursuing the missions that we that we do. Yeah. And, you know, National Sleep Foundation has been 30 years and, and we're gearing up, more than 30 years, and we're gearing up for the next 30 years and beyond that. We're fierce, passionate advocates for sleep health, and that's reflected in the work that we do and, and the people that we recognize. The other you know, goals of the organization is, is to make sure that workplaces, uh, homes, uh, infrastructure t- is designed to be sleep friendly. And so working from home, there's, there's some point in time where you have to remember that you know the bedroom that people you know, may be using for work, uh, zoom calls or working on the laptop, it has to become where they sleep. That's right. And you, know, you should get off your device you know an hour before you try to go to sleep as it relates to sound uh, you know there are a lot of external sounds that people try to manage uh, there are a variety of different ways that people uh, seek to mask certain sounds but any disruption you know is something that you want to try to manage in your sleep environment National Sleep Foundation. Uh, we also have an award-winning peer-reviewed journal called Sleep Health, and we think this is a unique platform in the sleep community for research and uh, for scholarship. It's been an important part of our engagement with a range of researchers, as well as you know making these findings available when and then ultimately translatable to help improve the way the public sleeps. There are important issues ranging from the environment to different communities. And we're looking at and publishing even more data uh, that are becoming available related to sleep health disparities. So this is an important platform for research, and and we're pleased to be able to make this publication available. So for almost 20 years, we've been fielding the Sleep in America poll, where we A sense usually on a particular topic, uh, where we get feedback from the public around that topic, and we publish those results during Sleep Awareness Week. We also have, when we talk about our research, we also have the Sleep Health Index that's been a tool that we've used for the past five years. Every quarter, about a thousand people a quarter that helps us keep a finger on the pulse of how America is sleeping. And these are data that we keep track of. I think at this point we've probably surveyed twenty-one thousand people. It's a helpful indication that we have of how America's sleeping.
0: So, John, I always like to make one of my last questions of the uh, podcast a bit of a fun question. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you where, not including your bedroom, but where in the world did you enjoy your best nights ever sleep and what made it such a good night's sleep for you?
1: Simon so, mean, I'd have to say it's it's uh it's a simple answer it's uh it's in the country it's uh you know there's a little place in the Catskills and the night before you have a fire and you know the next morning you're waking up uh you know in the country to the sound of you know birds and nature um that's the best sleep I remember
0: having oh I really like that answer John and uh what were you sleeping in the country? Was it was it a hammock? Was it a tent? Was it an airbed?
1: Where, where no, were you staying? No, no. It's just just a simple country cottage.
0: Oh, beautiful. And it was the real quiet of the surrounding environment that, that helped, I guess.
1: I, I think it's a combination. There's, You know, it's a set routine uh, up there, and uh, it's quiet. The temperature's right. Uh, not a lot of distractions.
0: God. I think I want to go there myself right now. I guess when, the, uh, when we're allowed to travel again, that's going to be the first place I head. John, thank you so much for taking time in your Always busy schedule. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, well, and listen, yeah, thanks, good luck. Thanks with, very much. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck with Sleep Awareness Week. Uh, we look forward to seeing how that all works out for you. And the insights you've shared today have been very beneficial, I'm sure. Many of our listeners will be taking stock and hopefully will have helped them to get a good night's sleep too. So again, thanks for your time.
1: Certainly hope so. Thanks, Simon.
0: I must say, I do feel blessed to be doing this podcast. I get to talk to many different experts in many different fields. And what would be the point in enjoying these conversations if I didn't pay heed to their advice? So, for example, at the very beginning of the year, we did a show about the benefits of sound walking and listening to nature. And I promise you that since then, every day I've been out either on a cycle ride or a dog walk. I've always taken a moment to just stop and listen to nature. And so I don't mind letting you know that since I interviewed John, which is about a week ago, I've been practicing what he preached. I have been turning off the TV at least at 10 o'clock and enjoying an hour between coming upstairs and actually probably falling asleep. I'm enjoying a book. E.M. Foster's Room with a View, in fact. I love that 1985 Merchant Ivory film so much. It's one of my favourite films of all time. In fact, back in the day, I remember buying the soundtrack album from R Price, which has the most beautiful version of O mio bambino caro by Dame Kirite Kanawa, the famous opera singer who, of course, sang at the royal wedding of Princess Diana and Prince Charles. If you haven't seen the film, do. It's amazing. And I'm really enjoying the book version. And I'm also enjoying. Just switching off devices, no screens post 10 o'clock. I am sleeping better, albeit my dog still insists on waking me up around about 5.30 in the morning with his paws on my shoulder as his way of letting me know that he needs to be let out downstairs to go to the toilet. But that's another story. At least I'm trying. But it really is very important for our well-being and our mental health to practice what John has told us on this episode and get a good night's sleep. And as I said in the episode, there are various products which enable us to improve that bedroom environment, our sleep environment. And you'll find a whole range of QuietMark certified products on QuietMark.com which are conducive to helping us get a better night's sleep. So on that note, I'll say good night listeners, sleep well, and thank you for listening. I hope you can join us for future episodes of the Quiet Mark podcast. Until then, all the best. Bye bye.